It's football and other F-words, and it is a glorious Wednesday afternoon, even though the weather outside is a little shitty. Doesn't matter, because I woke up with a smile on my face, a pep in my step that I haven't had in weeks, probably months, because I woke up thinking of one man, and that man was Rand Carthon. Not, <laughs> not Huxley, not my wife. I got Rand Carthon on the brain, and yeah. I am ecstatic, like, yeah, I wanted Ian Cunningham, right? Like, Ian Cunningham ended up being my one choice. But that's only because I let you talk me out of Rand Carthon being my number one choice. But it's okay. I don't care. Rand Carthon is the new Titans GM. We're going to talk all about that today. We're also going to talk about the, all the offensive coordinators, what all this means, what all's going on, what's happening. We're keeping you up to date. I'm joined by Mike Herndon at Mike Herndon NFL. Before we get into everything, you know what else puts a pep in my step, Mike? What makes me a little happy in the morning? It's another man. What's that? It's another man named Jaspers. I thought it might be. It was a it was a good setup right there. <laughs> Jaspers in Nashville. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's like the Rand Carthon of sports bars. It's the next evolution of sports bar where Rand Carthon is the next evolution of general managing. Look at how well I'm tying everything in together. The only thing is that Rand Carthon isn't going to give you two for one beers. He may, but I know for sure. Jaspers in Nashville is, and Jaspers is on West End. Head over there today. Watch all your Predators games. Watch all the rest of the NFL. Go over to Jaspers Nashville. Have some great food. Have some great beer, cold beer. Mike, you wrote an article. I talked about, and me and Braden on a football show on Monday talked about it. We talked about all the different quarterback options. You wrote about it at parkarski.com, and that's out right now. So go to parkarski.com and read that. And Parkarski. And the Paul Carsey podcast joined the 440 Sports Network on Monday. And on Monday, me and Braden went through a big long list. Now, you hit Jordan Love. when We forgot Jordan Love, and I regret that because I have changed my mind on Jordan Love. But if you want to hear all the stuff about Ryan Tannehill and quarterbacks and the quarterback options for the Tennessee Titans, head over to PaulKarski.com. Head over to the 440 Sports YouTube page. Turn on those notifications. Watch those videos. Go, if you are a podcast guy, hey, guess what? A football show's on podcast form. Go do that. And also, there's a lot of stuff I got to get out of the way. And also, head over to stackintheinbox.substack.com or go to my Twitter page and you'll see all kinds of tweets about stacking an inbox. That is my place now for you to go get the written work. And next week, because we're talking about quarterbacks, next week is Ryan Tannehill versus a whole article series where I take the top five quarterbacks that are available in free agency or available in trade and compare them to Ryan Tannehill in depth. You want the best Rand Carthon details out there, his history? You go to stackingtheinbox.substack.com. $4. I am a, sus- I am a subscriber. I did. I, I got the subscriber. Now, listen. You know, I wrote this big, long article, my introduction, what's, you know, stacking the inbox is, the subscription prices, and I specifically put in there, I would much rather people pay the monthly part instead of a yearly subscription, pay the monthly subscription instead of the yearly subscription. How Hardly anybody listens to it. And it's specifically, you didn't even read it and listen to it. Look, it's just so much easier for me because I'm not an accountant to have my monthly expenses and everything in one place. So that's just a little, you know, listen. Right now, I'm in the midst of writing an article that's already over 3,500 words long. 
I was the first one to have a Rand Carthon article out yesterday, Carthon out yesterday. And I even beat Jim Wyatt, who had the inside track to the news. Right. I'm killing it. I'm killing myself killing over it. here. And I'm yeah. killing it. And everybody needs to get a subscription. Okay. Whew. Mike, you're looking dapper. We talked about it. Uh, don't don't everybody be fooled if you're watching on YouTube. He is completely without pants. We've already talked about it. Just just <laughs> the button down and uh, gray tee underneath, it looks like. So. But is, like you, even got hair, even... you even get a haircut today, too? No, I did. I got my haircut a couple weeks ago. Okay, uh, it's still looking fresh, though. It's still looking fresh. Good job, good job, by uh, Barber. Uh, it is is looking very good. Uh, let's see what we got in the comments. Live efforts pod. You love to see it. Do you think the Titans should trade for Trey Lance? We'll get to that. Not a serious question. Just trying to ruin your vibe. Okay, never mind. We will not get to that, but it'll probably get brought up. Okay. So Mike, okay. Oh man, yesterday whirlwind of emotions. Um, yeah, because essentially what happened is that they say, even though they haven't confirmed that the the report uh, or the interview with Malik Boyd was over, Mike Garofolo, to whatever sources he may have, ended up tweeting out that the that among the three finalists moving on to the second round were Ian Cunningham, Rand Carthon, yeah. And the most basically a police sketch artist of a white man, the most generic white person ever, Ryan Cowden. So that sent me into a spiral and a tailspin to see that Ryan Cowden actually made it to the second round of interviews, which is just completely asinine because all I can picture in my head is the Titans hate us, they lied to us, and it's gonna be Ryan Cowden and Tim Kelly. I can't do both. I'll do one or the other, but I can't do both. And I can I can't really do Ryan Cowden. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well then Ian Cunningham apparently also interviewed on Monday after his interview on Sunday. And then then all of a sudden, like uh, five minutes later, it's like, oh, Ren Carthon's the GM. There is no really maybe the second round of interviews that already happened, which is even funnier for Malik Boyd and probably a little bit disrespectful. <laughs> people had two interviews and he only had one. Yeah. I mean, we were joking yesterday before before all that went down that I was like, I would love to know the actual timing of when Malik Boyd got out of his interview because, like, I, I picture him, like, he gets out of the interview, he's like, man, I killed it. I knocked it out of the park. Uh, he's in the Uber going back to BNA to fly back to Buffalo, and uh, he's checking Twitter, and he sees the report uh, that the Titans have narrowed it down to three finalists, you know, and, and he's not one of them. He's like, what the hell? Like, I just left. Like... <laughs> like they eliminated him as he was walking out of the door. Um, so I, yeah, the timing was all crazy. And I think even Rappaport at some point said something about like accelerating uh, process, the process accelerating. So it was, um, I think that tells us that they were pretty zeroed in on Carthon, you know, quickly. Um, and maybe they were like, all right, you know, we've, we technically need to interview Malik Boyd because we asked him to interview and he agreed, but we're not wasting any time. We're moving forward. And and I would imagine they already probably had started negotiations with Carthon before Malik Boyd probably walked into the interview room. Well, I do wonder, okay, so Carthon would have had his second interview yesterday is what the reports that had kind of filtered right. out said. I do wonder, though, if he had his, his yesterday – morning which would seem like the logical choice and malik boyd had his in the afternoon which seems like the logical conclusion to make would 
would he not maybe be in the Malik Boyd interview? And maybe there's an assistant GM position that that is opening up for Malik Boyd to give him an opportunity because it would seem awesome. just kind of downright disrespectful. I guess it's disrespectful either way, right? If you cancel the interview or if you go through with the interview, it just seems like the timing of the announcement could have been a little bit better. They could have at least kept us on edge and continue to spiral and go into deep, dark places for at least a couple more hours. Yeah. I also want to shout out. Um, I don't, I, I so the whole, uh, this aged poorly thing, I, you know, I know it's a bit for some people, <laughs> but I can't tell who it's a bit for and who it's not a bit for. Because I tweeted out that the uh, that Cowden's inclusion in that final three was one of three things. I said it's either one, it was Cowden all along, and it was always going to be his job, and he'll end up getting the job. Uh, two, it's uh, you know them doing this guy solid. He's been with the organization seven years. They like him personally. No ill feelings. Uh, it looks bad if he's a guy that's been there for seven years and he doesn't even make the finalists on the way out. Like they're trying to give him a soft landing spot for wherever he goes next in his career, whether that's staying here or going somewhere else or three, that he's just one of the best three candidates in their mind. And I know Buck said it's three. Yeah. I, was about um, to say, I don't think it helped that Buck jumped in your comments and just spewed his opinion, which was ignorant opinion in my mind. Cause I said immediately, there's no way he's one of the three best. He would, he, he would have to be like one of the five best for me to believe that he's even in the top. I think it's number two, by the way. Yeah, I, th I think it's possible it's number two. Uh, but anyways, like, people after Carthon gets hired were jumping in there and giving me the this tweet aged poorly. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean it aged poorly? I said it's one of three things. It's still one of those three things. Uh, <laughs> well, you got to understand that Titans fans can only focus on one thing at a time, and it's going to be the last <laughs> thing that you say. You should have put it at the, up at the top and then put the, the the other one at the bottom and then they would have been like, oh, man, you nailed it. Uh, it's just uh, – it's unbelievable. Reading comprehension at an all-time low every single day. Like every single day it hits a new low. It, yeah, um, it gets worse and worse because uh, I'd, I quote – I tweeted out something about the scheduling. Then I quote tweeted uh, in Rappaport had, had got his his tweet wrong. Yeah. And I went back and retweeted a new tweet that says, oh, correction for me in Rappaport. And I had uh, our favorite uh, guy that jumps in our mentions of uh, Rex Green, uh, who who said, oh, this this changed like three hours ago. Why is this still here? And I'm, I sent him the tweet. It's like, oh, like I did uh, three hours ago when I changed it. Like I updated everybody. That's another thing I wish people would do. Look at the timestamp on the tweet because sometimes you're responding to something that's like several hours old. And of course, information has changed. And it is, you know, I know that the algorithm and everything puts tweets up at a weird time for everyone on their timeline, but it, do not assume everything is just like this is what was just said just now. Like, <laughs> this there is why I create additional lists. information. I have lists, I have a Titans beat list, and then I have just like my regular home list, and then I get notifications for certain. Yeah. Um, news breakers. It makes my timeline so much easier. It's the culture gentleman's way of, of yeah. uh, using Twitter. Yeah, curated content is how I like to say it. Okay. Exactly. Rand Carthon. It okay, <laughs> side story. I, we'll get to Rand Carthon, but there, there's a lot to happen. <laughs> side story. So 102 point, I'm watching 102.5. I'm um, listening to it on my walks. So I, when I'm with Huxley, and I usually walk around 2 p.m., so I'm listening to, to Jared Stillman, Stillman the company. And um, he is going on and on and on about how this interview process is 
just seems like a big smoke screen to cover up for the Rooney rule and that they already got their guy and their guy's Ryan Cowden. Because on Monday, he said once Monty Austin Fort was uh, hired, it was only going to be Ryan Cowden. And then, of course, I think Caroline Fenton still has like Stockholm syndrome from being on a show and she regurgitated everything the next morning at Robbie and Rex Road. And uh, so that, so that yesterday evening, and then when the news broke, you could tell there's just this little sense of dejectedness. The wind was out of the sails. The air was out of the balloon that he couldn't go on any further talking about how this could be perceived as a racist sham of a coaching interview hiring process. Now still we, we, I do agree with him. That's a little bit disrespectful to Malik Boyd and you do too. But if you got your guy, you got your guy and your guys ran Carthon and let's get into it. How, for you, what was the shock level that it wasn't Ryan Cowden? And what is the excitement level now that you are 24 hours essentially removed from the announcement that it's Ryan Carthon? I would say, uh, I don't know that I was shocked um, really by anything. I, I, I kind of felt like their finalist list was kind of down the middle as far as like what I would have expected it to be. I thought Ian Cunningham, like everyone knows Ian Cunningham at this point was my favorite candidate. Um, short of Adam Peters, which of course we all know, you know, Peters declined and is staying there and will probably eventually be GM of the Niners. Um, but Cunningham was my favorite. So I I'm glad that he was in their finalist list. Um, and then, you know, it's not surprising to me that they kept an internal candidate in the finalist. Uh, and then Carthon was, to me, my number two. Like, he was my number two behind uh, uh, Cunningham. And and the only knock on, on Carthon to me uh, was that I felt like he was maybe, like, a little green uh, just a little bit green, not, not a lot. Like he's been in like high, high level player personnel, executive roles for what, you know, what close to six, seven years now. Um, so he's done, he's done a lot of work at a high level and he's extremely well-respected, uh, you know, by anyone. Like I literally was searching at Google, Twitter, everything I could search for for Rand Carthon information, you can't find a single person to say a bad word about him. Like Hell, hell let me say something. It's pretty difficult to find people actually talk about him. And compared to Ian Cunningham, there were quotes galore. Yeah. And it's just like, this is just a guy, and now all these quotes are coming out. I'm like, where were these quotes when I'm trying to write about Rand Carthon? Right. And you know what? I didn't even think to search Twitter uh, for, his, for people saying stuff because it was interesting because we both said that, okay, yeah, he only really has draft experience on for the last two years. Like yeah. that's was our perception, right? Cause he got up upgraded to director of player personnel, which is um, over both you you're getting, you're creating dossiers, you're evaluating talent talent on both sides of the aisle. And he only got promoted that last two years. And then you see this tweet and I, I don't know who found it. Someone found the tweet and it talks about how he's responsible for pretty much like you could just throw in the day three. I think everybody cut off day three, round five and seven. I'm just going to say day three because that's round four through seven, right? Yeah. So, I mean, essentially all their day set, day three picks he's been in on. So I, but you couldn't find that anywhere without, you know, really, I guess, doing a deep dive on Twitter. So, but everything that everybody says about him, you're right, is, is great. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's um, – yeah, so, like, I guess I wasn't surprised. I, I kind of thought maybe Carthon was a year away or a promotion, like an intermediate promotion away from jumping all the way to the GM spot. But, I I mean, I really liked him. Like, it, I, I thought I, – I do feel like there's something to, like, a guy's presence, just, you know, how he projects himself, whether it makes you feel confident. Uh, about following him. And I feel like Carthon definitely has that, like his presence, the way he uh, carries himself, you know, I think all of that speaks well for him. And the fact I I did feel like they wanted a former player to some degree. I I felt like that was something that they valued in the process, just based off the candidates list alone. Like most of those guys had played or all of them had played at at least a collegiate level. And uh, I think at least half of them had played at the NFL level. So, uh, I did feel like they wanted a former player, and I feel like that meshes well with with Vrabel, right? I mean, Vrabel is a former player. He's going to be able to relate relate to him on that level. Uh, I feel like Vrabel will respect the fact that he played in the league and and understands, um, you know, firsthand what what it takes to to be to reach that level and and to perform at that level and to get ready for games and, and all that other stuff. Um, and so I, I do. I feel like it's a really good fit. I feel like it's a good fit for Vrabel, um, and I, I'm just. I'm very excited because the 49ers to me are the model franchise in the NFL right now. Um, the What they've done this year going through three quarterbacks and I mean, they are steamrolling teams right now, you know, advancing in the playoffs. Now they, they could lose this weekend. You know, who knows? Um, they're playing Dallas, right? I can't uh, wait to come back and say this stage poorly. I know, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, love those comments. Those are my absolute favorite. Um, so, especially when they're not about a prediction, right? Like, <laughs> but um, the 49ers are doing incredible things with a guy that was literally the last pick in the draft. Um, and which is, it's, I know Adam Peters fought for Brock Purdy. I've read specifically about that. Yeah. But also, Rand Carthon apparently was heavily involved in that too. Yeah. Again, collaboration, which we'll yeah. talk about that later. And and yeah, big big time credit for them for finding Purdy, but also the fact that they built this roster where you can just put a rookie quarterback in, any rookie quarterback, much less like the last pick in the draft. I mean, you put any rookie quarterback into a team it, it even Malik Willis struggles oh wait but, I thought you were gonna say they were gonna be good if Malik no, Willis was in no, San no. Francisco no I'm I'm, I'm saying but <laughs> okay. like if you drop like if you drop yeah. Kenny Pickett like the, the Steelers are a good organization Steelers are a good team but Kenny Pickett you know you put him on that team and they went nine and eight the raw the 49ers roster is so good they were 13 and four with like a poo-poo platter of you know a second year quarterback who then got hurt, who then was replaced by a guy who, you know, maybe didn't even really want to be there in Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, who then gets hurt and gets replaced by, you know, Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. So it is incredible what they've done and how strong that roster is on both sides of the ball. I mean, they are a a machine uh, of talent when you look at that roster. I mean, that, that is now part of that. And we got to talk about, this part of it too. And you look at just the 49er stuff. Part of that is, Hey, they had a, uh, you know, those high picks where they, they were able to get uh, Nick Bosa, where they were able to get, um, you know, they've, they've had several guys that they've drafted in the top 10. I think Javon Kinlaw uh, was, yeah. was up there. Um, you know, obviously they had to force Buckner at one point. We're able to trade him away. 
Uh, Eric Armstead was was a really high pick. Um, so they've had some – they had that stretch, you know, I think right before or right leading into the Shanahan era where they had all these high draft picks and they were able to hit on them. Um, so part of that is why they're such an uber-talented team. But, but they also hit on guys in the middle rounds all the time, like Fred Warner and, you know, Mafunga, this, this safety that, that is going to the Pro Bowl this year that yeah. you know, was out and of he, nowhere. And He's fun to watch. He's a lot like Troy Palomalu, and I know that's probably like a very generic comparison, but when I watch the 49ers defense play, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy just flying around for the ball and just going crazy? And I'm like, well, it looks just like Troy Palomalu. It's just what he reminds me of. And then you look at some of like their free agent additions that are super smart, like Tavarius Ward and uh, and Kwan Williams and, and guys like that that are really, really good football players that they did not have to spend a fortune to go get um and are outperforming their level and that is what Rand Carthon has been in charge of over mm-hmm. the last uh you know what how long was he with the, the oh he's years? been there since 2017 so he left okay, so the Rams right after or right before Sean McVay was hired that's right yeah yeah because he went to he went to the Rams so here here quick rundown of Lesney, this so, right yeah so he was a pro scout for a long time under Les Snead, directly under Les Snead, who was directly under Thomas Dimitrioff. And then when Snead went over, which I believe was 2012, went over to uh, the Rams, he immediately brought Rand Carthon with him and put him in the spot that he had at the, at the Falcons. So he took over Snead's title that he had over at the Falcons. And then he went over here to... Uh, he made a lateral move to go over to San Francisco and then got promoted in 2021. And that was director of pro personnel. Now he's the director of player personnel. Now he's GM. Yeah. Go. So he, I mean, and, and I would say good, good, good group of people to pull from, by the way, you talk, we talk about Ian sure. Cunningham. His is kind of almost equally as impressive. It is. It is a really good group. And I, I think, you know, for all the like F them picks, uh, you know, memes about less need. He's certainly done a good job. I mean, look, if you win a Super Bowl, you did a good job as a GM, right? It's so hard to do. Um, and so I feel like less need has, has shown his worth and they're all different too. Right. I mean, like Dimitrov and, and Snead and uh, you know, now Lynch slash Peters um, all different types of uh, you know, GMs and, and all ran their teams in their own individual styles, but certainly have all had a lot of success. Um, so it's, it's a good group for him to be groomed under. And, and look, I mean, he's, he's what, 41 years old. Is that right? Uh, which is super young. I mean, it's, it's kind of given me, uh, the willies a little bit with the fact that the Titans, you know, GM and coach are basically, uh, like my age now. Um, so (laughs) I'm, I'm starting to feel a little old, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited that they got a new, some new ideas, some fresh blood in the organization. Uh, you know, at the top, I mean, it, it, he'll be able to to run this how he sees fit. And I, I don't think this is a hire where he's going to be Vrabel's puppet. Like, I, I think, and Carthon is familiar with the setup, obviously, that they had in San Francisco. And I've talked from the very beginning of this search about San Francisco being the model uh, as far as a, a powerful coach who has some say over the roster and, and the way they're, they're set up in, in San Fran is Kyle Shanahan controls the 53. So when it comes, comes down to roster cuts at the end of training camp, Kyle Shanahan is the one that is making the roster cuts. He is the one that is in charge of running that. Now, obviously everything is a conversation, right? It is not a, 
nobody's making unilateral uh, decisions as far as, you know, anything goes. It, it's all a conversation. It's all trying to be on the same page and working together. But at the end of the day, it is Shanahan's 53. Uh, now, Lynch runs the draft. He runs free agency. He controls the 90-man offseason roster. He runs the practice squad. So that is uh, kind of the division of power. And I would imagine this is going to be the exact same setup here. It's obviously one that the Carthon would be very familiar with, comfortable working in. Um, and I think him and Vrabel would make a good combination and a good team together uh, to be able to, to as, as the key word is, collaborate yeah. on building this Less roster word. moving forward. Well, the good, the good stuff is, here. Here's some good things. So, uh, as we were doing this, Jim Wyatt puts out an article where they talk to John Lynch about this hiring, right? Uh, over at Titans, TennesseeTitans.com. Um, and he said that they basically asked very pointed questions. Amy Armstrong asked very pointed questions about Rand Carthon's ability to collaborate. To about his extensive knowledge into him, uh, to Lynch's and Shanahan's working relationship, and how would he fit with Mike Frabel? So, like, that was what they were concerned about, and they 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 are obviously trying to model what the San Francisco 49ers are doing. And I will say this: John Lynch is a former player. Mike Frabel is a former player. Rand Carthon's a former player. This is all the guys with the same kind of background and mentality that you're looking for when you're looking to collaborate. It's kind of good to know what everybody's wanting, but you also look at the roster that San Francisco has. And you talked about it. You could plop almost any <laughs> any quarterback in that roster, and they're probably going to have some, some good high degree of success. And that's the roster that obviously the the Titans want. And and to me, when, when Vrabel's at his end-of-season press conference and he talks about, God, we got to get faster and we got to get more physical – my thought was San Francisco 49ers all along, and they hire a guy who's responsible for signing free agents, signing some of these late draft picks that you see fly around to the ball and make an impact. I mean, yeah, you don't really want to trade for a running back, but that was a move that they made. It, it was like a short-term Matt Stafford as trade to try and get to the Super Bowl, right? And you sometimes you get, get creative. And I look at it and I'm like, well, maybe he knows exactly what he should be asking other teams for Derrick Henry now, you know, but I will get to that later. Um, <laughs> but I just, I look at a guy that is for all intents and purposes, he is a, a people person. Essentially he's an evaluator of people. He's a good judge of people and he wants to get to know you on a personal level. And that is what Vrabel does, right? Vrabel talks about, hell, DeAndre Hopkins talked about how even though that he wasn't his position coach or an offensive coach, how much Vrabel dove into the personal life of his players and actually cared. And Carthon is, for all intents and purposes, here's a quote from Lynch right here. Ran makes really meaningful relationships. He's just an easy person to talk to, and he has an ease to him. He was very close to a lot of our players and close with a lot of our staff. He's a guy that everybody respects, and he has great wisdom. And doesn't that sound like maybe not the easiest person to talk to part, but doesn't everything else sound like Mike Vrabel and ways you would describe Mike Vrabel, a sense of wisdom, a sense of personal building meaningful relationships? Yeah, he's probably a little bit more rough around the edges, but 
at the end of the day, when you get him out of the football stadium, but he's a really great guy to talk to. I, I do think that like the the Mike Vrabel we get at press conferences and things like that, I, I think that skews people's perception of, of Mike Vrabel and who he is because I do feel like behind closed doors, he is likely a very different uh, guy. And with his players, he's likely a very different guy, just based on the comments that you hear from players about how, how Vrabel is and things like that. I, I think there's a good chance that he's more uh, compatible with those guys than he is with the media <laughs> just because I, I think he, he views the media as the enemy in a, in a large sense uh, in my opinion, but it's um, yeah, it, it, this is a great uh, fit to me, like personality wise. And, and also like, I know, you know, not everybody's necessarily in love with the Titans offense, but the, the 49ers run a version of the Titans offense that is like the idealized version of it. They are ultimately, you know, an outside zone West coast offense kind of team. Um, and that is what the Titans are as well. Now performance and, you know, the individual plays they run, how they execute them, that stuff may vary wildly and does very wildly. But I think the point is that the Titans largely want to be a more like the 49ers. I, I think they want to be a version of the 49ers, like an AFC 49ers. And I think the point is that Carthon has been building the 49ers for this offense for years now. He understands intimately what skill sets fit this offense and and how to, you know, scout and find players that that will be tailor-made for this offense. So to me, this tells me that it's very likely that the Titans are going to go find an offensive coordinator that runs a version of this offense. And while people, not everybody may like that just because there's a bad taste in your mouth from the, the Todd Downing years, remember what this offense looked like with, with Arthur Smith. And it is possible of reaching those heights again with better personnel and uh, you know, some better coaching obviously too, and play calling. So that's, that to me makes me think, you know, Mike LaFleur, who has ties to San Francisco, was, you know, that's where he came from before he got the uh, the Jets job um, and is now available. Um, that makes me think he would be a good fit uh, for what they're they're going to be looking for at offensive coordinator. So I, I just think it's it's very likely that that's the path that they're going down at this point. Now, it, maybe maybe not. Maybe they're going to throw us a curveball and go a totally different route. But I kind of think that this is what they want to be. Well, don't you see that? Let's get into the offensive coordinator and how this affects and how this hiring may or may not affect this team on different levels. So, specifically, let's go to offense because we saw over the weekend that they put in requests shortly after, before they even fired Todd Downing, if you were to believe Josina Anderson's timeline. So, they put in requests for Eric Bienemy and Matt Nagy, who aren't necessarily that kind of scheme. Right. I mean, they are they are the Andy Reid, a little bit more West Coasty than they are. I mean, like it's a different kind of scheme, right? It's a different breed of the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. different breed of the West Coast. It's like a uh, French bulldog and an English bulldog. They're both bulldogs, but they're different breeds. Yeah. Um, the um, so we saw that, and then on the flip side, they put in a request to interview, and it sounds like they got a, the request approved, even though we haven't heard if it's been confirmed to talk to quarterback coach Charles London. 
who is now, it was announced today on Wednesday, that he is coaching, or he's the offensive co coordinator, so, so the play caller, at the Senior Bowl coming up January 30th, which the game is on February 5th. Which he is more in line with the Art Smith kind of West Coast offense and, and closer to Shanahan than maybe Nagy and Biennemi is. As far as we know, outside of maybe Tim Kelly, no interviews have taken place. Tim Kelly seems like it would be a good interview to have already gotten off your plate. But when you have this new offensive coordinator who has a wide connection and set of relationships across, across the NFL, don't you think, being that where he came from and the teams that he came from and the connections he has, we're going to continue with the with the Shanahan tree. Don't you think that is the most likeliest conclusion to draw from this? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think that's ultimately where this is headed. Um, and I think that's fine. Like versions of the Shanahan offense are all over the NFL at this point. And I think it ultimately comes down to like, how well is it coached? How well is it executed? Which is a very like, you know, simplistic way of looking at it. But, what it is ultimately is they are going to be a physical downhill running uh, team, which the 49ers, their offense is uber explosive. But their offense is explosive in the way that the you know 2019 and 2020 Titans were. They run the football. They will hit home runs in the run game because they are very talented uh, in, on the offensive line with Trent Williams, obviously, and, and some other good uh, linemen in that group. And then – you know, they are very, very good at just being able to take advantage of how teams defend them. So they, they are well coached. Shanahan does a great job. Every, he's always done a great job with the run game. That has always been something that is he has excelled in. So the Titans need to find their version of Shanahan because that's the thing. You know, as, as much as the 49ers success is largely roster-based, Shanahan does deserve – a good bit of the credit for what they've been able to do with Brock Purdy and everything. So uh, Shanahan doesn't come with this, but they need to find the closest version to Shanahan that they can, in my opinion, to try to make this thing go. Cause look, Brable wants to be a physical team. Like I, I don't think Brable's ever going to want to necessarily be the, you know, drop back and sling it 50 times a game and run it 15 uh, kind of head coach. I just don't think that's who he is. I don't think that I don't think he believes that's the best way to win uh, big at the NFL level. And, and now maybe if he had a superstar quarterback, that would change um, his opinion. But I think in Mike Vrabel's heart of hearts, he would prefer to be a balanced offense, run the ball well, you know, throw off play action, um, you know, be able to hit some shots down the field. And look, the, the 49ers have playmakers. They have playmakers all over the field. You look at Brandon Ayuk, you look at, uh, you know, obviously Debo Samuel, George Kittle. Um, it is unbelievable the amount of talent they have. So when you're able to throw the ball off play action to guys like that, and you see them, the kind of plays that they're able to make after the catch versus, you know, throwing the ball off play action to Nick Westbrook, Akine, it's a totally different deal. So um, this offense can be explosive. This offense can be successful, even if it is, you know, relatively run heavy, um, which I know a lot of Titans fans are just, you know, sick and tired of at this point, but uh, it's, it's certainly, capable of being successful in the right hands with the right play caller with the right personnel. 
Well, I mean, I think everybody has this uh, misperception about the San Francisco 49ers being this crazy pass happy team when when in reality they're they're you're you're right they're all about the balance in fact the only year there's only been two times that San Francisco has been this pass heavy team and they rank they rank this was 2017 and they went six and ten okay they went six and ten in 2017 Kyle Shannon's first year you know what he did he came in and he threw it the second most times in the NFL. You know what he did the next year? The 20th most times, 29th most times. Then he went back up to 16th most times and 28th, And now he currently ranks 29th in pass attempts. They're not a pass. They're an effective passing yeah. team. They are not a pass heavy team. And I think that is what is. I think that right there is really what you need to focus on is that they are an effective passing team when they throw the ball whereas the titans who don't pass a lot are not in a very effective team under todd downing at least because they were under art smith so i go back and i want to talk about this offensive coordinator thing because i said that if the enemy or Nagy is hired that in my mind you should be looking at the 2017 chiefs or the chiefs prior <laughs> to Patrick Mahomes, because obviously they're not getting Patrick Mahomes. And obviously this offense cannot run, especially with the kind of playground-esque improvisation, improvisation from Patrick Mahomes with Ryan Tannehill or whoever the quarterback may be. So obviously you'd be looking at 2017, you know, Chiefs with Alex Smith as like the, the height. And they were like the ninth, ninth highest scoring team, so they were still a good team. But in my mind... We did, haven't heard a lot about the offensive coordinator position because the GM isn't in place. And I think that Mike Vrabel is looking for a guy that is obviously comes from the 49ers or maybe from the Rams or from one of these teams. And I think he's wanting the input because it's all about collaboration. Buzzword of 2023. So you go and you have now Rand Carthon who could probably bring you dossiers or recommendations on coaches. And now the coaching search has begun. And I think that's how it's always going to be the, the best thing for this to happen in the way it should happen. It should be head coach, offensive coordinator, and those are sorry, general manager, then offensive coordinator. And those decisions are based around whether or not you're keeping Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I mean, and that's like the you know the the fun part for for Rand Carthon begins now as he gets to untangle this whole ball of yarn that is the Titans' uh, current roster situation and starting with the quarterback because you're right, it's Tannehill. We know who he is. He, we know he's a good enough quarterback. And this is what I wrote at uh, PaulKarski.com this week: is look, Tannehill is more of and this is a term that I have always loved from uh, Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah of the move, the move the sticks podcast, which is great, great podcast uh, for, especially during draft season. Um, but they describe guys as, are you a trucker? Or are you a trailer? So, you know, are you the, if you're a truck, you're obviously you're pulling the ship. Like you are, the organization is going where you go. Um, but if you're a trailer, you're just kind of along for the ride. And, and I view Ryan Tano very much as a trailer type of quarterback. I mean, he is not going to lift the organization 
to new heights. He is going to more or less be a reflection of what you put around him. You put around him, you know, good play calling, good athletes at wide receiver, good enough pass protection. He could be a pretty good quarterback. I mean, we saw in, in you know, the, the two years where Arthur Smith had this thing cooking. Um, and, you know, obviously they had Corey Davis and A.J. Brown and, you know, a healthy-ish Taylor Lewan. Uh, and, and, you know, Roger Saffold and, and all, all of the guys that kind of made this thing go for that period of time, you put him in that group, he will perform and he will produce a good offense where, but he's not going to take over games. He that just isn't who he is. It's not in his skill set. Um, and so he's always going to give you a ceiling. And, and to me, when you look at the other quarterback options, if you're going to move on from Ryan Tannehill, you better not move on from Ryan Tannehill and go find another guy who gives you a ceiling which I would certainly put Derek Carr in that category. And I think you could make an argument that, you know, maybe you should put Lamar Jackson in that category too. While like it's a very different ceiling, I still think there may be a ceiling with Lamar. Um, so it's, it's an interesting question now, like where do they go at quarterback? Because that is that, that decision along with offensive coordinator pick kind of sets the, table for the whole offseason like what are you trying to do what are you trying to compete in 2023 are you going for it are you going for this quick rebuild or are you going to like take the opportunity now to get more of a a reset and and try to build this thing sustainable for 2024 and and beyond because i think those are the two paths in front of them and and which one carthon chooses will be fascinating because i think that'll tell us what what amy adam strong wanted uh, in in the interview process, because you know certainly she wouldn't have hired him if if he wasn't on, you know, kind of the same page with her as far as what their vision is for this team moving forward. Which doesn't it have to be Ryan Tannehill? Like, don't you think that is the most logical conclusion to draw from all this? Is that if they're gonna they're getting a guy from San Francisco where they've seen success with Jimmy G, and now they have more durable Jimmy G already on the roster. Yeah, and Jimmy G is another guy that I would say, yeah, yeah. And then limited, Sam- yeah, ceiling yeah, guy. And then, and they made it to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G, right? And then you you got the San Francisco guy who's probably going to bring in the same kind of offense where you've seen Ryan Tannehill succeed at a high level. Don't don't you think that it's m- much more likely that Ryan Tannehill is the is the choice, and they were like, we got to build around Ryan Tannehill. We're a little open to Derrick Henry, but we got to we got to we got to build around Ryan Tannehill just for just for the short term until we can figure out how we can get the quarterback of the future. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting because like it's what is your ceiling in 2023 with Ryan Tannehill? I mean, obviously, like say you know, obviously he's going to be tasked with fixing the offensive line. That that's a obvious he's got to do that that's going to be true of whatever quarterback you have it doesn't really matter if it's Tannehill or or anyone you've got to fix the offensive line um you've got to get some receiving help I, I think you know they've got to bolster that room to some degree um and you've got to reinforce on defense too I mean there's there's going to be some guys that are let go you know obviously Zach Cunningham um you know Bud Dupree probably there's there's going to be some guys that while they weren't necessarily stars ne- for you over the last couple of years, they you know, were starters um, and they were helpful when they were out there that, that their production is going to need to be replaced in some form or fashion. So there's a lot of work to be done on the rest of the roster. So I guess my question is, what is your ceiling if, if you bring back Ryan Tannehill in 2023? And is it, well, maybe we could win the division 
and then get bounced in the first round and it'll be like, you know, the the years previous have been basically or is it higher than that? Because if it's just well maybe we'll compete with Jacksonville. I don't know, maybe maybe it's in the best interest of the team that you go ahead and rip off that band-aid and just say, "All right, we're going a different direction. We're trying something new to see if it works." Um I think Tannehill's a good quarterback. Like I'm not champing it a bit to get rid of him by any means. I just I just don't know what their appetite is for the status quo on the roster. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I, I think there's like some intriguing options like you laid out. I think Jordan Love is an intriguing option. I I I know I, I harp on Trey Lance and him being injured and having two ankle surgeries and stuff, but and I think it's utterly ridiculous, you clout slut, that you tweeted out that Instagram picture knowing what was going to happen to everybody around you and just laughing maniacally off, off the scenes. But that obviously, if you actually type in good luck in the emojis, it actually brings up that emoji, and that is what good luck means. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway. But obviously, they have some quarterback issues over there. I, I would, I think that if the plan is... Jordan Love, Trey Lance, and I, I'm a little bit less out on Trey Lance. I think Jordan Love is probably the better value, but I could be talked into that. Right? Those are those are that's someone. Those are guys that Rand Carthen apparently may in this scenario has targeted and tabbed as their guy. Then you trade away Ryan Tannehill, save some money, get some draft picks, and then you move around. Uh, I'm all for that. I, I don't think there's a lot of options like that. I think that possibly you could maybe buy time with Geno Smith in that scenario, but then I feel like you're just getting a lesser version of Ryan Tannehill. But Geno Smith has been in the Shane Waldron system, so it's not that big of a leap. I don't know. It's just kind of – it's all iffy for me. But I think one thing when you talk about staying status quo, and here's a question right here, Ed Henry says – Weird question, but how much of a limiting factor is Henry to this offense? Aren't they forced into one style with Henry? And I hope that it's not a weird question because you're related to Henry, Derrick Henry. But, Ed, I will say this, that I've been on the train that Derrick Henry is more crutch than crucial. He's a crutch player and not a crucial player for this for this offense to succeed. And I do think that while maybe his role is lessened, that would be worst. That'd be best case or worst case scenario because I, I think that it's either going to be they're going to upgrade Dontrell Hilliard, or they're gonna, just going to go pure running back committee and trade Derrick Henry. I think that's your two choices, and I think with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson both being free agents and both having ties to Rand Carthon, that they would be great complements. And up, they'd be great upgrades over Dontrell Hilliard and a great compliment to Derrick Henry, but they can't do it alone. So you would have to do running back by committee more than likely. But there's also a lot of running backs flooding the market. Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, to name a few. There's a ton of them. So why would anybody trade for Derrick Henry? So yeah. you're going to have to, I guess, you're kind of forced to to work with Henry, but you should not build your offense in mind to suit Henry's needs at this point because you and Henry can succeed in this offense. We've seen it, right? I mean, he just can't catch the passes. So you got to get someone in there. And I think Dontrell Hilliard needs to be upgrade because you needed someone that could be in there to, 
also lessen his load, Derrick Henry's load, but also be a threat between the tackles. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I do think Henry, to some degree, limits limits them because, frankly, I think Vrabel has tried to force feed um, Henry so much. And I, I do feel like, you know, while, you know, Todd Downing deserves plenty of blame and, and has been rightfully canned and everything like that, I do think some of the directive to run the ball so much comes directly from Vrabel. It has been something that has happened under every coordinator who has been here. Um, as far as like run pass ratios, especially on first and second down, uh, especially early in games, that kind of thing. So it is, I think, a Vrabel directive to a large degree that, hey, this is our best player. We're going to give him the ball uh, as much as we can. And I do think they lean on him too much. I, I think at some point they they lean on Derek to the point where it is, you know, we don't have a plan B. Um, and to me, hopefully this season kind of opens their eyes to the idea that, Hey, we have to have a plan B regardless of, you know, anything else going on with, with, you know, how well Derek's playing regardless of anything else. What, you know, how, what are, what do our wide receivers look like? You've got to have a plan B. You've got to be able to throw the football. Um, And I hope that they are looking at becoming a little bit less reliant solely on him because look, in the previous seasons, and I think this is something that was different too, he was more of a home run hitter. And, and you can say offensive line and all that stuff, and I think that's valid. But I don't think he's the home run hitter that he necessarily used to be. And that's normal. Like, he is uh, going to be 30 years old next year. At the you know, I think he turns 30 late next season. The, I mean, you're just not going to be the same guy you were as far as, like, explosiveness at age 30 as a running back, especially with the, you know, thousands of carries he has on his legs at the NFL level now, as you were when you were 24, 25 years old. It, it's just the laws of nature. Um, so I, I think finding ways to get an explosive offense built, you can still use Henry. You just don't need to use him like he's the – Yeah, the don't offense. use him as a crutch just because – uh, hopefully Rain Carthen does not leave the state of the offense in disrepair like John Robinson did heading into last season where, you know, it was supposed to be Robert Woods and A.J. Brown and a rookie, and then it was like just Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook-Akine out there. And, you know, Carthon has some, some great names that he can pull from to help this offense. Um, you know, we got to – we got a uh, question here for you, Mike, from uh, this guy named Keith. Can we get more plays designed to showcase Jeff Swain? And hopefully, Rand Carthen's first. If Rand Carthen, Carthon wants to really endear himself to the Titans fan base, today or on his presser on Friday, he should end it with, and we've cut Jeff Swain and no more Mason Kinsey. And this fan base would erupt. There would be already a parade out in Nashville if he said those two things. Yeah, start erecting the statue now. Now yeah. it's uh, I, I do I do think it would be hilarious if they pulled a uh, the Vic Beasley memorial. Um, we will not be pursuing a, a <laughs> new contract with this player. <laughs> tweet for uh, Jeff Swain. That would be amazing, and and yeah, it would uh, you know send Titans fans into a frenzy. Um, really, Dennis Daly. Maybe Dennis Daly is is the well, Dennis Daly's. He's already a free agent. He's not under contract. Well, it's so is Swaim. I mean, they're both they're oh, both in that. I boat. thought, so I they, thought they had another this. year or something. No, no, it was a one year deal for him. So yeah, they're both technically going to be free agents anyways. But I just I would love the petty 
we will not be pursuing a second contract with this player uh, tweet. That would be amazing. Uh I, I we have a couple questions in here about how John Robinson hated wide receivers, and I tend to agree with it. I think he undervalued wide receivers. <laughs> and when you look on the flip side of the um San Francisco 49ers, you're talking about a team that has Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Juwan Jennings. Now, I believe Ayuk is the was the first round pick, right? So I think yes. he was the only first round pick among them. But they they drafted guys that were on our radar heading into their respective drafts, and I, I think that's a good sign. Debo. Yeah, we, we loved hey, Debo. Kittle, Kittle, we liked Ayuk. We loved Kittle. I mean, uh, Jawan Jennings was just kind of like, hey, he's a guy, but he's turned out to yeah. be pretty good with him. I'll, I'll admit, I was I was way down on Jennings because I just thought he was too slow to be an NFL receiver, but he's turned into a pretty good little uh, third receiver for them. But but they value, and let me say something: all the, those wide receivers we just named, including George Kittle. They all block. Yeah. And it's important. It's just important. And I know that they, that John Robson harps on it and Mike Vrabel harps on it. But when you look at the list of some of the wide receivers they have, that's about the, all they got going for them. <laughs> like, that's all Nick Westberger Gine really has going for him is that he can fucking block. Chris Conley, he can block. Hopefully, we get more separators. And I think from what I read when I was doing some research on potential free agents that Rand Carthon is connected to. A lot had to do with not necessarily speed, even though they did get fast guys, but about the short area quickness and being able to get separation. So focus on the three cone times and ability at the catch point to adjust at the catch. And Kendrick Bourne, guys they've, they've drafted over the years, Kendrick Bourne, Rich James has proven it now with the New York Giants, and he did prove it the uh, with San Francisco. Uh, Debo Samuel, Brendan Ayuk, they all get open. They all have short area quickness. Now, Ayuk and Debo have different levels of explosiveness after the catch, but basically, that's what you want for this offense and what you want as an offense because you could do so much with how you design the play to get other people open. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I do think the blocking thing is, is part of it. And, and I will say, like, I'm, I'm not sure I'm like totally sold on John Robinson, like not valuing wide receivers. Cause he did spend a number five overall, overall pick on one. He spent 51 on AJ Brown. He spent, you know, a top 100 pick on Taewon Taylor. Um, he when, when, you know, when drafted I, uh, I Traylon Burks in the first round. Well, but that was out of necessity, right? Because you traded away AJ Brown. It's more like he under, he thinks, I think it was more of a fact. I, when I say undervalued, I think he overvalued that anybody could just come in and be good in this offense. I, I think he, I think he tried to address wide receiver a lot in the Julio trade, like a second and fourth, like he invested in wide receiver to a large degree. He just wasn't very successful with it. I mean, AJ Brown was the only hit uh, really out of that group, you know, TBD still on Traylon Burks, but, uh, you know, and he traded away. <laughs> Obviously, we don't have to relitigate that uh, for the millionth time. But um, I think he valued them. He just wasn't very good at at picking them. And I I do think there's something to he draft. He didn't draft anybody like outside of Taewon. And maybe maybe he got burned on Taewon, and and that's why he never went back to this. Well, he didn't draft anybody in that like speedy, like short area quickness, uh, able to separate mold. He drafted like. These big, you know, you know, it's like a bunch of Alshon Jeffries 
uh, out there, just like, you know, 6'3", 220 pounds and, uh, you know, not that fast, but, you know, contested catch winners seem to be like his preferred style of finding uh, wide receivers. And like it worked with A.J. Brown, it didn't work so well with others. Um, and we'll see what can't, Carthon's approach is because Carthon, I mean, you look at Ayuk and, and you look at Debo, um, you know, neither of those guys are like tremendous from a size standpoint. Like Debo's obviously built like a running back. Um, but I think they're both close to six foot. Um, but they're really good route runners. Uh, they separate, they're quick, and and they're both a pain in the ass to tackle. And that's one thing I think will probably translate over is like at one point, you know, the Titans were, you know, I felt like building one of the hardest to tackle teams in the NFL. Um under John Robinson. Well, that is definitely what the 49ers built uh, in San Francisco. So I think we'll see a lot of carryover from that, from a, a run after catch standpoint and, and valuing that uh, part of the game. The um, we've, t- we talked a lot of, about the, the next steps and what this GM has, has to go through. Obviously there's all kinds of contracts situations that we got to get to, but the, obviously the next step is, the uh, filling out the coaching step because right around the corner, January 30th is the senior bowl. And you would like to be able to go down there with an idea in place of who the offensive coordinator is, who the offensive line coach is and who the defensive backs coach is. Cause guess what? You need defensive backs. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but you do. And you need offensive linemen and there's going to be a good showcase for them. And it's better to have them in place and an idea, at least on the offensive side of the ball, what you're looking for when you're down there. What is Rand Carthen looking for? Because it's the you gotta you gotta spend your time wisely on all this kind of stuff. So I ask you, what what, what do you want to see changed? Because I wrote about this on Monday in Monday's article, how the GM could be different and or how he could be better. And it's before Rand Carthon was was hired, obviously, but I want the team to get taller specifically in the defensive back room and on the linebacker. Because, Mike, there wasn't a six-foot defensive back on this field except for Greg Maven and Lonnie Johnson. Everybody is under six feet. and Oh, or, or Caleb Farley. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot game. about Caleb Farley. Uh, hey, he's going to rebound this year. This is his year. Year three, Caleb right. Farley. Third oh, three. Time. Listen, year three. He's the number three, right? And then twenty-three. Oh, uh, he's 23 now? Wasn't he three? No, 20, 2023. Oh, 2023. Yeah. And then, then you have DeMar Hamlin. He's number three. And then, on top of that, third year, obviously. And then you could turn E in Caleb or in Farley into a three as well. Uh, like, uh, and C, Caleb, C is the third letter in the alphabet. This is all coming together. It's all, all coming right, together. All right. It is, it is the Caleb Farley breakout train. Here we go. We are, we're we, on it. We're on it. Um, but you, obviously, height matters, specifically when you look at the All-Pros over the last few years. Even if you just look at this year, Sauce Gardner is uh, 6'3", and I believe uh, Patrick Sertain is 6'2", and it may have those heights mixed up. But your receivers that you're facing on a regular basis are anywhere from 6'1", to 6'4", and you got to have the height, but you also got to have the speed. And I just look at the way that... that you have to approach this draft. This draft is filled with cornerbacks that 
have the length and the athleticism that you desire. It's loaded. But the wide receiver class it maybe only has speed or it maybe only has route running, may not have both. Because So I feel like this wide receiver class, though, is going to end up being one of those classes where everybody was really down on it, and then everybody's going to go to the Senior Bowl and the Combine and and all this stuff, and then you're going to be like, okay, well, these re- wide receivers and start watching more and more film, and that opinion is going to change. But you have to get faster. You have to get taller. What else do the Titans have to get? Oh, they have to get some guys that can block. Uh, that That's for sure. Um, and, and to me, like, you know, that remains kind of the biggest – thing that I, I just I'm struggling to see what the path forward is right now um, because left tackle we know that they're likely going to release Lawan or you know maybe they try to restructure him I I just tend to doubt that that's going to happen like I mean um, is he really I mean like I guess my thing is that when I hear that people ask well why does he take a vet friendly deal or why doesn't he restructure and go cheaper does he even really want to do that? Like, that's yeah. the perspective I'm thinking is like, if he wants to play football, why take a team-friendly deal? Listen, these players don't owe you anything. We've said this numerous times on the podcast. These these players, they only care about you if you're going to be a, a person that listens and watches their podcast or their video. Other than that, they don't give a fuck about this team. And Taylor Wan has already been talking about how much he looks good in Steelers uniforms and all this stuff. Listen, he's moved on. He has forgotten all about you guys that have built him up into this megastar podcaster. He's going to forget everything about Tennessee. He's moved on. He's either going to go full on the podcasting or he's going to go play for another team. And he's going to go get their uh, their corny asshole listeners as well. <laughs> I mean, that's very possible. But yeah, I, I don't think the want back. Um, you've got to do something at left guard. You don't have a left guard on the roster, in my opinion. Um I think Ben Jones, it sounds like, is leaning towards retirement um, just based on, you know, things I've heard. So it is a good chance you're going to have to replace Ben Jones. And then Nate Davis is a free agent. And who knows if they're going to want to re-sign Nate Davis because as, as good as I think Nate Davis is when he's healthy, he's a guy that's missed a lot of games. And this is a team that is, like, really tired of guys missing games um investing big money in in Nate Davis who is is struggling to finish seasons maybe isn't the best thing um so you may have to replace four out of five offensive line spots and by the way the fifth guy is is you know coming off a pretty rough rookie season who uh you, you, know, you really pulled. abandoned the NPF train you just really uh, abandoned it but they well, listen, it, it, they, they, they got it, rid of the problem bad. it's Keith Carter apparently well i mean and look that's that's the other part of all this right it's like what could coach like how much of an impact can coaching make? Cause we'll find out. I think yeah. Cause I, I don't know that they're going to be able to like, they're not going to be able to go out and sign like an all-star offensive line across the board. Like there's going to be some guys starting on that offensive line next year that either haven't started before or are like very questionable, like borderline starters. You know, I, I could definitely see Aaron Brewer having a job somewhere on this offensive line again next year. You know, maybe it's center, um maybe it's guard i don't know but i could definitely see him starting somewhere because you just aren't going to have the resources capable of going out and like signing the five best offensive linemen on the market that's just not a, a realistic expectation to have so um coaching is going to have to going to have to help but yeah it, it's it's there's so much in the air with this team and that's kind of why 
it's kind of exciting to get this fresh start with Rand Carthon because to me, you want to see it feels like they 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 kind of plateaued and stagnated, right? Like they they hit their peak of what they could be with John Robinson and Mike Vrabel and that that duo in in control. And I, you know, Carthon gives you the hope that maybe they can break through and reach a new height and go to where we all want them to go, which is obviously a Super Bowl. That is ultimately what every fan of this team wants to see happen is go to a Super Bowl, go win a Super Bowl. Nobody's ever seen it before in their lifetime. Um, so that is that is the goal. And I, I to me, Carthon gives me more hope for that than I've had in a while. Like I mean, you know, I've I've been yeah. super down on what the 2023 Titans are going to look like. And and Carthon at least per- perks my ears up a little bit, makes me feel like, okay, uh, let's see what he can do because you never know. He might, he might, you know, really be able to, to make a big difference. In Even if it doesn't end in a Super Bowl win in 2023, no, yeah, at, I least, I at least it's trending, that. at least it's trending towards at least it's going to be fucking watchable. <laughs> like, yeah. like to me, that's that's the hope. Your expectations for 2023 is just to have a team with a winning record that is at least a watchable team on a consistent basis. That you're not embarrassed or dreading having to turn on the TV or having to go face coworkers who are fans of other exciting teams. And they like, oh, did you watch that Titans game? They sure did look like shit. Like you had to go through this whole year because this year was dreadful. It was dread. It was one of the worst years just because I was probably just because I was sober for most of games. Uh, Cause you know, those two and 15, those two win seasons, I was plowed at the game. So <laughs> I don't really remember them, but you know, sober and having to watch this team is not a good combination. So hopefully that changes. Yeah. I, I mean, it, yeah, it, there's at least hope now. Right. Right. Exactly. I think that's the big thing. Like, if it was Cowden, if they were rolling back Cowden and Kelly, I was going to check out to, like, 2026 when they all get fired <laughs> because because I am so, I was going to be so far out. That's there. There's just no hope there. I mean, you got to hope that somehow Cowden stayed employed but questioned and undermined at every turn everything he could about John Robinson's tenure, which is highly unlikely. It's highly unlikely that he was that way. I do. I do think it's an interesting question about whether Cowden will possibly be retained, um, and I think that's. I think it would probably be good for them if he is kept on at least through the draft this draft cycle, which is usually like the way um, personnel executive contracts and scouting contracts are set up, or like the draft is their year end event. Um, so once the draft is over, that is generally when, you know, if guys are going to be fired or their contracts expired or whatever, that's generally when that happens, um, for most of these organizations. So I would be, I would be interested to see if Calden stays on in his current capacity and sees us out through the draft. And then maybe if he stays beyond that as kind of a bridge to help Carthon, you know, get to know the new scouts, you know, understand their system that they currently have in place. Um, you know, he can kind of get them to up speed on, you know, what he's been looking at. Obviously Carthon comes in knowing what, you know, kind of how the 49ers draft board is, is looking right now. And, and, you know, their thoughts on certain players and things like that, which will help bring some nice outside perspective as well. But, um, 
it'll be very interesting to see what Cotton if Cotton's retained, and then if not, who is is Carthon's right hand man? Because we don't know. I mean, like you mentioned early on in the the show, I guess you know maybe Malik Boyd or like one of these other candidates who are not currently in a AGM uh, assistant general manager position. Maybe one of them comes aboard. Like that's that's similar to what happened with uh, you know Mike Vrabel and, and Matt Lafleur uh, back in uh, what. 2018 when they they did the coaching search and they were two of the three finalists and then you know Vrabel got the job and the floor got the OC spot um I could definitely see that and, and look that would be great like that that would honestly be extremely exciting if they could get Carthon plus Malik Boyd or Car- Carthon plus um who are who are some of the other uh um I guess Quentin Quentin Harris potentially um but Boyd would probably be the most exciting, realistic one for me because Cunningham isn't going to come. He's he's already got that role in Chicago, um, and then Glenn Cook has that role in Cleveland, so he's not coming either. So to me, maybe Malik Boyd would be the best candidate for for AGM if you could get him. Um, but Cowden wouldn't be a bad option either, just to keep around and have some continuity. Yeah, well, that will do it all for us. Let's let's talk about what you got coming out today. On Wednesday, you already had the paulkarski.com, your article on all the quarterbacks. A football show is tomorrow at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. You'll get to hear Braden and my further reactions and any other news that may have broken between now and then. Then you also have uh, a football show on Monday where me and Braden also talked about the quarterbacks that were coming out. Uh, and then obviously, as well, coming up later today, this podcast will be live, obviously, but... Later today, if you have not subscribed to stackingtheinbox.substack.com, you need to go out there and do that today. It's $4 a month, $48 a year. It's it's going to be worth your money. And today will be free agents that Rand Carthon is linked to or has a connection with. We're going to do offense and defense. I'm already at like at 3,500 words on that. Tomorrow is going to be all the coaches that could be possible offensive coordinators, possible offensive line coaches, and possible defensive backs coaches that he may has put a bug in the ear of Mike Vrabel about and recommended, hey, here's some people I know, here's some people that I know that would do great at the job. That will be out tomorrow. And, of course, Friday, we'll also at stackingtheinbox.com.substack.com. Sorry, that's a long one to say. i got to figure something out there. That is... We'll also be we'll also cover the press conference on that. It's gonna be a great week of content. We got a lot of good things coming down the pipeline. I'm gonna be at the senior bowl. I'm gonna try not to embarrass myself in front of uh all these big wigs and scouts and executives. Um I'll be down there with Stoney Keeley of Sobros. We're gonna kind of be doing some content down there. And then next week is Ryan Tannehill versus over a second box. Big week, big week. Is Mike Curtis' show still going on in the offseason, or is that on a temporary hiatus? Tem- it's on a temporary hiatus right now. We're, we're deciding what we what we want to do moving forward. Well, if you want to go watch the backlog episodes of and relive <laughs> some of the worst moments of Tennessee Titans uh, football with Mike breaking them down in hilarious fashion, go to get a Broadway, go to broadwaysportsme.com, get your Broadway Insider Pass, go watch all that. Uh, anything else that we got to plug? Jaspers, Nashville, two-for-one beers. Go go celebrate this Rand Carthon hiring. 
Anything else? Yeah, no, that's it. Just uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy the uh, the renaissance. Yeah, enjoy the next couple of days until Titans Twitter devolves into an, a, <coughs> a sewer, radioactive sewer of a wasteland where everybody's just attacking each other over what to do with Ryan Tannehill. So exactly. just enjoy these next few days. Enjoy these next. Enjoy this time. Look forward to talking more about the offseason that moves on. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. His name's Mike Herndon. My name is Zach Lyons. You follow me on Twitter at FWordsPod. This has been Football and Other FWords, and you have just been effed.